Father, we just continue now to worship you, thanking you that we do trust you because you are faithful. God, I thank you today for every person that you have brought into this worship experience. Our purpose today is to glorify you and enjoy you today and enjoy you forever. And I pray that over the next few minutes as we dig into your word and as we continue to worship you through your word, that your word might draw us to your heart so that we can clearly see you in all of your glory. And God, we just continue to lift up our praise to you. Thank you for giving us the joy of the Lord in our heart. Thank you for your word that calls us to rejoice in the Lord also, oh, always. And uh, God, we do that right now. We just uh, rejoice in you. And I pray that the joy of our heart would be full and expressive, that we would listen to you and that we would obey you, that we would be obedient to where you guide us through the truth of your word today. Draw us to your heart as we praise you and celebrate you now and continue to worship in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite the children to head to the back now and continue in your time of worship together. Um, we have, we've been enjoying over the last few weeks uh, family worship together as we will continue to do now. And um, if the children have not registered, there's a place in the hall for them to register as they go out. Uh, and we just love to see families worshiping together. And it just brings joy and life to our heart and life to our experience in, in life. If you're a guest here today, again, we want to say welcome and thank you for being with us. We have been uh, on a journey. This is the fourth week in Psalm 119. Uh, and so if you have your Bible, you want to open your Bible to Psalm 119, we're going to continue uh, in this journey today, uh, which will put us halfway through uh, this psalm that we are dedicating uh, eight weeks to. And I pray that over these last four weeks uh, and continuing the next four weeks, you are being encouraged uh, in your uh, walk with the Lord and your meeting God as much as I have because this has been a great part of the journey and challenge for me to continue to meet the Lord and grow in the Lord as we work through this psalm together. 19th century American poet Henry David Thoreau said, and I quote, most people lead lives of quiet desperation. Now, was he right? What does he really mean by the fact that he felt like most people live lives of just quiet desperation, going through the motions, living moment by moment, day by day, and then waking up the next morning and repeating the same thing over again and uh, going through the motions that look like life, but really being desperate in life, never really being fulfilled, never really finding the purpose for living. We saw in our service last week uh, that most people are desperate because of misplaced values that they have in their life. Power, possessions, pleasure, uh, things that most people around us here on the Grand Strand uh, come to the beach for, uh, looking for uh, away, away from the desperation of life. And these are misplaced values. Uh, in fact, if you pursue uh, the path out of desperation, 
If you pursue that path by pursuing uh, power and possessions and pleasure, you're just going to be more desperate because pain and suffering and grief and false accusations are a part of life, and you're going to experience that. And there are ways to find your way out of that desperate way of life that the psalmist is going to introduce us to today. And that's much better than pursuing the ways of the world to find your way out of desperation, the desperation of life. In fact, um, we're praying for our students this week because our students are returning to academic life uh, very soon. If not this week, some have already returned. And in the context of the academic life that our students find themselves, uh, they're heavily drawn toward peer pressure, trying to be accepted by those around them, trying to impress those around them. And unfortunately, that's not just a characteristic of students. Uh, that's a characteristic of all uh, adults, or for the most part, for, for many adults. Uh, unfortunately, too many people do unwise things to be accepted by the crowd. They do unwise things to make more money uh, to show that uh, they, they need to be accepted. They do foolish things to try to be happy. And being left out and not feeling happy or successful can lead to desperation. So having no purpose in life can also lead to desperation. And then you throw in the pain and the mental suffering that can lead to desperation. You throw in addictions and habits and choices that people make that can lead to desperation. And we do live in a world that's surrounded by desperation, by desperate people. So what saps power out of life in the context of desperation? Well, what sucks power out of life in the context of desperation is living apart from God's Word rather than living in God's Word, according to the psalmist today. Our lives are kind of like batteries. Uh, we constantly need to be recharged. Uh, you have your cell phone. What, what, what good is a cell phone if, if the battery's dead in it? Uh, and many people are living life like that, being sapped of energy. In fact, um, the... Um, Country music group Alabama in 1993 wrote a song, and the lyrics go something like this. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I want to do is live and die. I'm in a hurry, and I don't know why. Is that you today? Are you just going through the motions of life, running around and around and around, going nowhere, and the next day waking up and doing the same thing over and over again? Well, the psalmist reminds us that there's a better way to life than that. There's a better way than just going through the motions. Psalm 119 teaches us that powerful living through times of desperation comes from a different source than the sources that the world offers us. And we're going to see that in our context this morning. Over the years of ministry... I've been in hundreds of hospital rooms where someone's loved one was dying, passing away, or maybe even the loved one was dying. I remember there was a guy named John recently in our church who, who passed away, and 
who was in the hospital for just a short brief time before he died. And I remember going into his room and him saying to me, Pastor, just read God's Word to me. Just read the Word to me. And over and over, we would just read God's Word. And not only did he find comfort in that, but his family members found great comfort in that as well. Uh, reading the Bible out loud just brings a source that relieves us from whatever source of desperation is coming our way. And so in Psalm 119, verses 81 to 104, the psalmist gives us three reasons to turn to the Bible in desperate times in order to find power for living. Power in life comes from living according to God's Word, the Bible, God's Holy Word. So let's look at these three additional reasons to turn to the Bible in our desperate times to find powerful living. First of all, the Bible strengthens the soul. Verse 81 of Psalm 119. The psalmist says, My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? Now, you may be like the psalmist, and we're going to see a number of times in this psalm, he's going to refer to the struggle that he's going through in life. And he's praying for salvation from God through a difficult hour in his life. And look at verse 1. He acknowledges the fact that his hope is turning to God. His hope comes from God's Word. There's a huge lesson in this particular phrase where he says, My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your words. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? You, you've probably been there before. You've probably been at a time in your life where you ask, you know, when is this ever going to end? When is the struggle ever going to be over? And according to the psalmist, this life lesson teaches us two things. Number one... It teaches us that God knows what we need. And then additionally, it teaches us that God knows when we need what we need. And the solution to whatever is causing uh, the, the discouragement in our life, whatever's causing that, eventually God is going to give comfort. He's going to give strength through that if we continue in His Word, if we continue to seek Him through His Word. In verse 83, he says, For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten my statutes. Now, a wineskin in the smoke is a picture of an overly dry soul caused by affliction or persecution or pain or some other source. I bet you've been there before. If you're like me, you've had times in your life where your soul felt dried out, where you felt like there was a cloud over your life, there was a smoky cloud over your life, and you just couldn't get out. So where does the power come from when you're living through cloudy, soul-parched seasons? Well, look at what the psalmist says. He says, I have not forgotten your statutes. Now that's critical. You can't forget something that you haven't known. 
And so that's why it's so valuable to put God's Word in your heart. So when those dry part soul times come in your life, when those cloudy times come in your life, when you can't see what God is doing in your life, you'll be able to reach into your soul, reach into your spirit, and pull out His Word to bring you new wineskins to pour His wine into. Uh, wine in the Old Testament was a symbol of the Spirit of God. And in order for you to have power for living during the dry, parched soul times of life. You need God's Word in your heart. So during those times, God's Word can be pulled out and be a source of strength for your life. Uh, I think the psalmist was right on target here. Um, your power for living through cloudy or part soul seasons comes from God's Word. He says, I've not forgotten your statutes. So the Bible strengthens the dry soul, the dry spirit, like nothing else can. Again, if you're like me, you've had these seasons in life where you felt like your soul was dried up. There have been seasons where I felt like my very spirit was a wineskin in the smoke. I couldn't see through the clouds. I couldn't see through the smokiness of life. When I was 15 years old, late one Sunday afternoon, the best friend that I had in life, 15 years old, was driving his car to a church to pick up his sisters in his Volkswagen bug. The front tire of his car slipped off the road and he jerked it to come back on the road and the car flipped over and threw him out of the car and rolled over on him and killed him. That was a hard time for me to work through in my life. But through working through that situation with God's Word, staying with God's Word and pulling out what God had put in my heart through His Word, that was the very experience that months later God used to call me to ministry, to call me to dedicate the rest of my life to preach His Word and to teach His Word. It was a very dark time, but in that dark season, I was able to meet God. That was what I needed most. And so I pray for you today. I pray that when you're in a desperate situation, no matter how desperate it may seem, you'll look for God. Because the Bible says that if you look for Him, you will ever surely find Him. You can find Him in His Word. You can find Him in His Bible. And through the darkest time, most desperate times of your life, He's there. And you can find Him. But notice that hope for the psalmist was in the Bible. And he turned to a very familiar topic for you and me today. A buzzword, actually, in our culture today, and that's the word injustice. Look at verse 84 and following. He says, How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me! 
They have almost made an end to me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. Do you see it? The psalmist says here that trusting the testimonies and obeying the commandments and obeying the precepts of the Bible can be a life rope that God throws out to you in a desperate time and pulls you back into himself, back into the lifeboat that he has prepared for you. Verse 88 says, In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Now, the testimonies of the mouth of God say two things to you today. If you're going through a tough time, you need to know this. If you're not going through a time of desperation right now, you will one day, and so you will need this. Here's what the psalmist teaches us. Number one, God loves you. He loves you more than you could ever know. He loves you more than you love yourself. And secondly, God is with you. It may not feel like God is with you sometime. There may be those times when, you know, the wineskin seems smoky and cracked and hardened. And the wine may be leaking out. <laughs> but hang on to the statutes and the testimonies and the truth of God's Word. Because He's there. He loves you. And He cares. More than you could ever know, He cares. Now, I'm no expert on Henry David Thoreau, and I'm certainly not his judge. But I know that according to his testimony, he hated the injustice of slavery that was being practiced during his day. He lived in the period around 1860, and he boycotted slavery by not paying his taxes one year. <laughs> and was put in, pr in prison, in jail for it. Uh, he was passionate about, you know, his conviction against slavery. But he turned to worship nature out of his desperation. And out of that context came that statement I used earlier where, you know, he said, all, all people live lives of quiet desperation. He turned to nature, he went out into nature, he looked at the trees and the flowers and the plants, and. He wanted to find a, a source of power, a source of strength from God's creation. But unfortunately, at age 44, he died with tuberculosis. And in that part of his journey, he never found a source of ultimate hope. He never found a source of ultimate peace. Now again, I don't know if he ever found God through Jesus or not. I just, I don't know. But I do know that his search through nature was off base. There was a better source. The psalmist says, I have a better solution for injustice and enemy attacks. And that's to turn to the Bible. To turn to God's truth. And find hope and peace in God's word. Rather than in the nature that God created. Because the Bible strengthens the soul like nothing else. Nothing in nature can replace a personal relationship with God. 
You can go out to the ocean. You can sit on the ocean. You can hope that listening to the waves will calm your spirit and soothe your nerves. But eventually life's going to come back and hit you in the face. Nothing will soothe your spirit like God's word. Nothing will strengthen your soul and give you power for living like God's word. But there's a second reason to turn to the Bible in desperate times and find power for living. And that is the Bible stands forever. The Bible stands forever. In verses 89 to 96, verse 89, the psalmist says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day. For all things are your servants. So the psalmist looked up at the stars and the planets and maybe even looked at the nature that God has created. And he realized that there was a creator behind that. And the Bible affirms solidly that in the beginning, God, he was before creation, but then he created everything that is created. And the psalmist affirms that. He says, forever, from time past, when there was nothing else but God, until time eternity, God is. He's forever, forever, O oh Lord. Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. God's word is unable to be changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The theological word for that is his word is immutable. God's word is always relevant. Every situation you face can be faced every important decision that you make, every important thing that you face. God has a word for it in His, in His Bible, in the Word. And it's always life-giving. So when you feel depleted, when you feel uh, drained of life, go to God's Word and find a restoration for your soul, which will change the way that you think and change the way that you feel. When we were couple of months ago in Zambia, a few of us were there, and I remember Kyle one night, we were out in the bush, we were 40 miles from nowhere, I mean out in the total bush area, no street lights, the sky was just filled with what appeared to be billions of stars and planets and that kind of thing, and I caught Kyle with his cell phone pointed up in the sky just taking pictures of the beauty of God's creation, the beauty of God's nature, the awesomeness of the stars and the planets. They were gently pointing, as they will for you, to the creative power of God. Nothing is more important than to understand that God created everything for a purpose. He created the stars and the planets and everything that you and I know and even you and me for His pleasure. Are you aware of that? The systems that God created, the fixtures that He put in the planets, as the psalmist says, He placed there so that He could be delighted and that we could delight in Him through the power of His creation. So again, the Bible stands forever affirming that God will forever 
keep his promises. He is faithful. Um, I've been reading this Bible. I've been reading God's Word for more than 60 years. There are things in the Bible that I still don't understand. There's still things in the Bible that I may never understand as long as I'm here on this earth. But that does not change the fact that God's Word is true and God is faithful. I don't know everything about the Bible, but I do know this. I know that for every challenge you face in life, God has a promise that can carry you through that challenge. God is faithful. Let me just give you a few of the promises that are so important and valuable in my life and I trust are valuable in your life as well. Uh, In John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Great promise. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Here's the promise. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Do you know that promise of God personally for your life today? Some of you here today may need to claim that promise for the first time in your life. And say, God, I trust Jesus. The greatest gift that the world could ever receive. I trust Jesus as my Savior today. Another promise is in John 14, 14, where God promises to answer prayer. If you ask anything in my name, the Bible says, I will do it. That is a promise from Jesus. And here's how that promise works. When you know Him, when you walk with Him, when you want to glorify Him with your life, then you're going to want what He wants. And when you ask for what He wants, He's going to give it to you every single time. That's a promise from God. In John 14, verses 1 through 4, Jesus promises that heaven waits for the believer. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you have a troubled heart today? Can you hear Jesus giving you this promise? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, here's the promise. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then Jesus said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. There's a promise in God's Word for every real need that you have. And so today I challenge you to know God through His Word so that His promises can come alive for you. Someone once said that there are 365 promises in the Bible, one for every day. Uh, I don't believe that. I believe there are many more than 365 promises in God's Word. And every single promise in God's Word looks you right in your soul and says, I love you. 
and I care about you. And I want you to know me, and I want you to walk with me. And I want to be with you so that you're not just going through the motions of life, waking up every day, doing the same thing that you did the day before with no purpose, no direction at all. And so the psalmist says, the Bible stands forever, guiding you to God, the God who knows you better than you know yourself and loves you more than you could ever know. So in times of desperation, join me and turn to God's Word, turn to the Bible that stands forever affirming the fact that God's purpose for you is to draw you to Himself, to set you free from the burden of your sin, and free you up to live life with power. That's the will of God for you today. So the psalmist says he delights in meeting God in the Bible. Verse 92 says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I pray today that your greatest delight on this earth is walking with God through His Word, knowing the commandments and the precepts and the guidelines that God gives us to follow Him, that, that draw us to know Him and follow Him in our life. The psalmist cried out in his greatest time of need. He said, God, I am yours. Save me. Can, can you say that today? In, in the desperation of your soul, can you cry out to God and say, save me and know that you know him and he knows you and he's there, as verse 94 says, to save you. See, nature, family and friends, other people, work, sports, anything you fill in the blank, anything you can go to for finding power for living will fall short of you trusting God to give you strength and energy and renewed life and the salvation that you need to live for power for living. So say along with the psalmist today, God, I'm yours. Save me. Save me. And then the Bible stands forever pointing you to God's salvation. When you face temptation and face destruction from wicked enemies, the Bible's pointing you to Jesus today. <laughs> Everything in the Old Testament and the New Testament points to your need for Jesus. He is the lifeboat for you when you're in drowning waters. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35 and following, the Bible says, Who shall separate me from the love of Christ? Listen to this list now. Are you going through a tough time today? Or have you been through a tough time? But or you need to be prepared for a tough time that may be coming. Shall tribulation or distress 
or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Pretty rough. But he goes on and says, as it is written, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The key to not living a life of quiet desperation is living life in Jesus Christ. And today he, according to the psalmist, is throwing out every life ring that he can possibly throw out at you to pull you in to the safety of his boat. But you have a choice to make. You have to choose, like the psalmist, to cry out to God and to grab on to that life ring and let that life ring pull you into life in Jesus. The Bible points you to Jesus to find power for living in desperate times as well as in good times. There is no time that God's Word is not drawing you to live with power in the name of Jesus. And so the psalmist says in verse 96, I've seen a limit to all perfection. I mean, there, you know that the world is filled with challenges. The world is filled with things that are not perfect because of Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve chose to sin and sin took over the, uh, the nature of mankind. So the psalmist says, I've seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. The commandment of God draws you to Him to find shelter from the storms of life, to find an anchor in the times of stormy life, to find hope and power in times of desperation. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Now, I don't have time today to go into the whole background of this passage, but when Isaiah wrote this, Israel had abandoned God and run far from God, and there seemed to be no hope in Israel. And the prophet Isaiah was saying to the Israelites who had abandoned God and undergone judgment from God. He was saying that there's still hope for power for living, and that is in the Word of God, because it will stand forever and ever and ever. So the Bible stands forever, infinitely and perfectly reflecting God's heart to love you and to draw you to Himself. The Bible strengthens the soul. Does your soul need strengthening today? And there's hope in God's Word. The Bible stands forever. Do you believe that? Have you put your hope and trust in the faithfulness of a faithful God who loves you and who cares for you? And then a third reason to turn to the Bible in desperate times and find power for living is that the Bible satisfies fully. The Bible satisfies fully. 
Listen to the heart of the psalmist here. Oh, how I love your law when it is the meditation of my heart. So in his desperation, the psalmist found power for living by loving God and meditating on God's word. Now, four weeks ago, we talked about this from the first stanza of Psalm 119, what meditation means. Meditation is not just going out on the beach and sitting there and clearing your mind, going out in the woods and clearing your mind. That's not meditation. In fact, that's a trap for the devil to fill your mind with something that's far from God. Meditation is taking God's word and putting God's word in your mind and letting it settle in your heart and taking enough time to let it marinate in your spirit so that when times of desperation come, you have something in the well to draw from. You have something in the bank to draw from to continue to live with power. Think about your life. What you love you prioritize. And the psalmist was saying, oh, how I love your law. There was nothing more precious to the psalmist than God's word. Loving the God of God's word. In his desperation, he found power for living by loving God and meditating on his word again. Look at verse 98. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Now, there are three warnings here. First, the wisdom of the world has an answer for your problem. And most of the time... That will draw you away from God. He also then says that very smart teachers have an answer for your problem. Be careful who you listen to. And advice from older people, he talks about in verse 100. Advice from older people. So, what is it about the wisdom of the world and smart teachers and older people that is worth listening to. Well, it's worth listening to when it's consistent with God's Word. If it's not consistent with God's Word, it draws you away from God. It draws you into more desperation than you were in to begin with. So common sense comes into play here. Let me just give you an example. How many of you think about it, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been caught in a rip current or heard of someone caught in a rip current? I mean, here on the Grand Strand almost every year, unfortunately, we have people who die because they get caught in a rip current. The wisdom inside the, the, the nature that you have when you get in a rip current is try to fight through it and swim to the shore, right? Well, that's worldly wisdom. That's what the Bible says that we are to avoid. When you get caught in a rip current, the commandments and testimonies and precepts of God's Word teach us that it may not feel like it's the right thing to do to swim across and go with the, the, the rip current until you come out of it. But godly wisdom is that 
you take his commandments, his testimonies, his precepts that may not feel right according to the wisdom of this world, and let God's truth take you out of that desperate situation that you're in in life. The Bible teaches us that there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You don't fight against the rip currents that come into your life on your own strength. You turn to God and His Word to find strength to work through the desperate times of life. Then also, the psalmist says, beginning in verse 101, that the Bible satisfies fully when it is more than head knowledge, when you actually are meditating on the Bible and allowing it to satisfy your soul, uh, and you obey it. Verse 101 says, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. You know, as well as I do, that life is full of choices. I mean, you, you're making choices right now. Whether you're going to listen to God's word or not, you're going to make a choice whether to follow the prompting of your Holy Spirit that's drawing you to God through His Word or not. You have choices to make, and your choices every moment of every day determine whether you're going to live in God's power or whether you're going to live in the wisdom of the world. So the psalmist says in verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. So do you see the warning here? There's a false way. The psalmist has said it in a number of different ways. There's a false way that's luring you away from God rather than to God through His Word. I pray today that you will make the choice to live according to the Bible. Because whatever your spiritual need, the living hope that God is offering you through the Bible is the best answer. It's the only way that you can find power for living. The more fully you know the Bible, the more deeply you grow to know Jesus. He is what you need in order to have power for living. These three stanzas teach us that the Bible enlightens your mind, convicts your heart, comforts your soul, revives your spirit, directs your feet, and engages your will as you read God's Word and then obey God's Word. So you cannot separate having a passionate devotion for God's Word, for the Bible, from being powerfully used by God. And here's the bottom line. God wants you to know that He loves you. And He wants you to love Him. God wants you to know that He cares about every situation that you face. And He wants to guide you through that situation and out of that situation with His power. And so today, when your soul feels parched, 
when you feel afflicted by pain and suffering and enemies, and when you're tempted to turn to that false way to find help, I encourage you to turn to the Bible and let the Bible draw you into God's solution for power, God's solution for hope. I don't know how many of you feel in deep waters right now. But like I said, if you don't right now, it's coming. Deep waters are coming. Um, and I pray that you won't miss the lifeboat that God has sent to save you from the deepest waters. See, what we would probably consider, most people consider the deepest waters would be facing death. But there, there's so many other things that challenge the discouraging times of life. Let me ask you a few questions. When, when you're feeling desperate, and when you are being drawn into some addiction that you might have, where do you turn? Well, God has thrown out a life ring for you in His statutes that are guardrails to guide you to the truth of life, to pull you to the lifeboat that Jesus is for your life. You may be desperate in making a life, major life decision right now. God's throwing you these life ropes out through His laws and His commandments and His testimonies to draw you to the lifeboat. You may be desperate today because you have a fear over a diagnosis, an illness that you may be facing or over some pain that you're experiencing or some grief or even death itself. God is throwing you His life ring out to, for you to grab onto through His testimonies because He is faithful. And these ropes lead you to the one true source of powerful living, and that is Jesus Himself. See, the life rings are just there to pull you into the boat, to pull you into Jesus. And again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. He's there to pull you into His lifeboat. So what's keeping you today? What's keeping you living a life of quiet desperation today? Whatever it is, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I want to challenge you today. If you don't know Jesus, trust Him today. Give your life to Him today. And if you do know Him... Dig into this Word, his, his, his Holy Word, and let His Holy Word, like the psalmist, be a source of strength and power for living for you in these desperate times. God, thank You today for Your Word, and thank You for giving us the opportunity not to go with the, the flow and the current of the world and think that we can fight our way out of desperate situations on our own. But help us to realize that there's the best way. And that is to just say, God, help. I need help. I need hope. I need peace. I need strength. I'm desperate. And God, how I pray that in our desperation, we will turn no other place but to you and say, God, today I just admit that I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner 
Thank you for providing forgiveness for my sin. And today I give all that I know about myself to all that I know about you. And I turn away from my sin and repent of my sin and I turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I want you to take my life and change me, transform me. Give me strength through facing every desperate challenge and every desperate situation in life. I'm desperate for you and I turn to you in Jesus' name.